Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back, podcast listeners. Today, it's just Elizabeth and I, and we're going to talk about sulfur. It's been on the minds of a lot of farmers and crop consultants, extension professionals around the state, as we continue to see our deposition from rain decline. I always mention that there's um, push and pull pluses and minuses to just about everything in agriculture, and it even is true for sulfur, acid rain, um, which we typically see as a pollutant, but it has some benefit too. Um, There's a cool YouTube video we can link you up with that shows how much it's really decreased over the past 30 to 40 years. And way back in episode 21, we talked to um, Dr. Robert Mullen about sulfur, and we're still seeing mixed responses um, of sulfur applications today. Real quick, just a refresher, I mentioned the acid rain, and that is what provided us with the sulfur coal plants they've cleaned up with scrubbers there's not as much acid rain anymore which is what was giving us our sulfur right from what I understand yeah it's really amazing definitely check out that time-lapse map on YouTube just seeing really in the last 10 to 15 years how much the acid rain deposition has decreased is it's mind-blowing how quickly they were able to clean up the pollutants from that industry but it is kind of on the (laughs) flip side no longer free sulfur being deposited in our soils for farmers, or not nearly as much. Yeah. And just to set the framework, a typical corn-soybean rotation removes about 20 pounds of sulfur per acre. So it's not a small amount. It's definitely a nutrient that our crops need. So this winter, going through pesticide meetings and talking to farmers, it seems like about half of the farmers in Ohio are applying sulfur to at least some of their fields. And, you know, what we're seeing on the research side is the response, the yield response is varied. So we wanted to talk about this topic today and maybe drive some on-farm research, discuss the research results we're seeing and see what kind of interest there is there. You know, we do know that there are areas in the state that may be seeing deficiencies. We hear that from farmers a lot. And we'd like to get some more data to hone in on our recommendations of when sulfur makes sense in a crop rotation. So we're going to get into some of the current recommendations and some of the research. We'll dive right in. Yeah, and if you were part of Precision University this past year, you may have heard some of this already. For those of you who weren't able to see that or you want a refresher on it, we're going to start out with um, Dr. Steve Coleman. He's our state fertility specialist and um, Lucilene Floridor has been working with him. And they did a lot of sulfur work on farms across Ohio from 2013 to 2020. They covered 27 counties, 92 trials, so a lot of data. And they looked at grain yield, sulfur content of the grain, and the plant tissue. So looking at those trials, gypsum was the most commonly used source for sulfur, with AMS coming in second. And when we look at yield... Corn yield had a significant increase in only two of those trials, and then there were three where applying sulfur decreased the yield significantly. Soybeans, on the other hand, they saw three positive increases, and wheat did not see any at all. So those responses, when you look at the total number of trials, are pretty few and far between. Yeah, really, I was surprised by that when they shared that information. 
because, you know, we've talked to a lot of farmers who are using it and seeing a difference on their fields. But we'll talk a little bit about more. Yeah, we'll talk about why in a minute, maybe. (laughs) So one thing that they did see a response more frequently was in the sulfur concentration in the leaves. Um, They saw a slightly higher number in that with both corn and wheat. So the plants are taking the sulfur up. It just doesn't appear to translate into yield increases. So when we look at the yield and tissue content together, there was no trend for wheat like we saw um, with corn. So really what they found is that a yield response rarely occurred in Ohio. And um, the diagnostic tools that we have, Malik 3 measurement of sulfur in the soil, tissue sulfur test, grain sulfur test, they weren't really good predictors of seeing a response to sulfur fertilization. So again, we saw a little bit of trend with leaf sulfur content and corn yield, a little bit in soybeans, but it went the other way with wheat. So it's an, another interesting, it really reminds me of nitrogen and the way that it behaves. And we just haven't had to deal with it because we've had plenty of deposition in the past. Right. They are pretty similar the way they act in the soil um, with leaching and things like that. So it's not terribly surprising now that it's not quite as abundant that we see these confusing confusing responses. Um, We want to talk about across the state lines in Indiana, Purdue's been doing quite a bit of research with sulfur and um, you know, they have results that are similar to ours, but then they also have been able to parse out some differences looking at results regionally. So overall, they've been able to see and observe an increase in yield in soybean of about 10 bushel when they applied 20 pounds of actual sulfur. Um, across the board, they typically see visual response, including better leaf retention and an increase in nodulation which we actually observed that increase in nodulation in our sulfur demonstration Mm -hmm. plot at Farm Science Review last year, even though we didn't take that to yield to see a difference. The top responses for sources they've seen in AMS, MES-10, and gypsum. Usually when you see Dr. Sean Castile share these results, then he kind of has a caveat where the biggest responses were definitely observed on sandy or coarse textured soils. Um, and those with an organic matter under 2%. So that kind of starts to bring this into a picture of sulfur does have to mineralize in the soil if it's being deposited um, or if you're using elemental sulfur. And that happens more regularly when you have better organic matter, right? Similar to nitrogen. So these, there's probably also more of it available when the holding capacity of those soils is greater. So that's less in sandy or coarse textured soil, and that's probably where we're seeing more need for it in Ohio too. Right. And, I mean, another component that plays a big role in those sandy soils is leaching. We know that water is going to move through those soils a lot more quickly, and just like nitrogen, it's going to take the sulfur along with it. So being able to give a shot of sulfur in season, you know, can provide a benefit in those cases. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, Iowa State saw about 50% of their trials um, a statistically significant difference, and they were applying 15 pounds of sulfur per acre for fine texture soils and 25 pounds of sulfur per acre for coarse texture soils. So that's what they recommend in Iowa. 
We mentioned those sulfur deposition videos that are available. And when you watch those, you'll see that back in the 80s, they were getting a decent amount, but they have tailed off a lot quicker than we have. And even in Indiana, somewhat. So that might be one of the reasons why they're seeing this difference. At least that's what I <laughs> like to like to say. Um, just be, I mean, it makes sense if they stopped getting sulfur deposition or not nearly as much as we did, then they're going to see a response to sulfur applications more quickly, sooner than we would need to. Yeah, I think that interpretation makes a lot of sense because if you see that their drop-off occurred you know, 20, 30 years ago, whereas our drop-off in Ohio just occurred in the last 10 years, you know, we're probably getting a look into the future of what our sulfur needs are going to look like in the next 10 to 15 years here in Ohio. So yeah. that research, I think, is not something to discount, but maybe don't take it to the bank quite yet and invest in a lot of sulfur this year. <laughs> yeah, that's going to lead into, I think, some summary points that we want to make about how how do you go with, what do you do with this information? But before we get into more discussion on actions that you might want to consider taking, um, let's look at our e-fields results. And 2021 was a big year for trials in e-fields. Elizabeth, what did you see with a lot of those trials that came in? 2021 was an interesting year because, you know, even though we got off to a bit of a slow start in the spring with that late snow, which we've been experiencing <laughs> again this year, um, we ended up having, over most of the state, great yields. Mm -hmm. So it was hard to detect differences when a lot of yeah. our nutrients and things like that tend to have more of an impact when we're in a yield-limiting year. Um, so it was difficult to detect yield differences when it didn't really matter what you did. The weather was cooperating and yields were high. But sulfur is definitely a topic that we've seen growing in popularity, um, especially as around the coffee shops, there's talk of seeing responses in individual fields. So we had quite a few sulfur trials conducted on both corn and soybeans in 2021. So in most sites, we didn't see a response. Um, there were several different products that were tried. Um, Knox County, Delaware, Adams, and Fulton all had different types of sulfur trials, and those did not see any difference. But again, that was one year. A couple of the products had multiple farms that they were tried on, but for the most part, one year, one site, and a really good year where we had rain that probably helped sulfur mineralization all throughout the year. Yeah, and if you look at the regions where these trials were conducted, we're talking about some of our higher organic matter soils in yeah, Ohio as well. Um, one where we did see a difference was up in Sandusky County. Um, they used the product Solveris and saw a five-bushel bump in corn yield when they applied that product at side dress. Um, I think it is important to mention, we talked about this with the Purdue data, this trial is in a county, Sandusky, where there are commonly sandy soils. And in fact, this field is on a sandier part of the farm. It was chosen intentionally to see if they could replicate the results that they were seeing in, in Indiana. And so this matches up with that data, where if you're on that coarser soil, there's a higher chance that you might see a benefit to applying sulfur. Yeah. And then we did have one trial in Wood County that was on sulfur sources. So there was several different sulfur sources. They didn't have a difference with untreated. Two didn't see a difference above untreated. AMS and thiosol 
came in just about the same when they were applied through the planter. Potassium thiosol actually lowered yield, which that mirrors results that they've seen at Purdue, um, probably due to the salt content of potassium thiosol. So using caution if you're putting thinking about putting that product on with the planter. Yeah, definitely getting that away from the furrow is probably the better way to go to make sure that you're not adding a salt concentration to that seed environment. So I think um, considering all of this information, what I draw to a conclusion is that it really needs to be field by field. If you think there are areas where you're seeing yield loss, is it because of sulfur? And before you go to make an application or invest in a sulfur product across all your acres or even a large field, maybe try some strip trials and see what happens. Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where on-farm research is a perfect fit. If you're seeing something you suspect may be sulfur deficiency, it's really easy to invest on a few acres, do some strips, just sulfur versus no sulfur, and then at harvest see what you're seeing. And if you're seeing a consistent result in some of these environments in your fields, especially those coarser soiled fields, then it's time to start investing on a broader scale to increase your profitability. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So to kind of sum this up a little bit, there is not an accurate soil test for sulfur. It's very much like nitrogen. It moves a lot in the soil. So using a plant analysis is the best way to go. I don't think we really have those numbers through Ohio State, but Purdue recommends applying when your tissue test comes back at less than a quarter of a percent. Yeah, it's also important to be kind of cautious when you're interpreting those tissue tests. Don't go out after a two-inch rain and pull your tissue test because you're going to end up watering down what's in the tissue just because of all the water uptake. We see that with nitrogen tests as well. So just being mindful of pulling it maybe at a normal. I laugh as I say that because we don't have normal (laughs) weather when we're farming. But pick a nice normal time in the season to pull those tissue tests around when your application window is close to your application window as possible. When we're talking again about soil tests, you know, not only is there no real accurate way to get soil test sulfur, there are no critical levels established for that nutrient. It's also one, again, similar to nitrogen, where we know that it's pretty fluid in the soil. It can be leached really easily. And so even if you did have a soil test where you saw it was there in a few weeks, it it may have moved out of the root zone anyway. So soil testing isn't the most reliable way to keep an eye on it. When you're looking at different products of sulfur to try, most of them are in the sulfate form, but you can apply elemental sulfur. If you are doing that, make sure you're applying that at the beginning of the season because it does need to have time to mineralize into a form that's usable by the plant. If you're seeing deficiency or you're expecting deficiency, we recommend applying 10 to 20 pounds um, because that lines up with that crop removal rate. Um, Like nitrogen, you don't want to put out more for the next season because it's not, again, not going to stick around for you. So that's a good economic rate to start out at. And applying those then at the pre to early V stages, probably, even if it is the sulfate form, um, we want to get it in the plant so it can use it. And as always, you know, I'm a broken record on this <laughs> with my um, unabashed fan of on-farm research. Use reference strips. You know, make sure that that investment is paying off. 
And if you are interested in looking at the impact of sulfur to crop yield on your farm, don't hesitate to reach out to your local extension educator because we would love to get more data to help us have a more broad conversation about this in the future of what we're seeing in Ohio and do a better job of tracking down areas and situations um, where we start seeing these deficiencies and these applications pay off over the next few years. So again, reach out to your local educator or check out the eFields website if you want to learn more about our sulfur protocols. Yeah, and we'll share a link, um, the eFields link. Also, if you want to go back and watch Precision U from this winter when we had those sulfur presentations, give you the link there, go.osu.edu slash Precision U. There's also a sulfur availability tool um, that's a collaboration with Ohio State University and a few other organizations where you can select your field and it'll tell you what the expected um, sulfur availability is going to be. So if you're in a field that might be kind of on the edge, like some years you feel like you see sulfur loss, other years you don't see a response to it. It may just depend on rainfall, weather conditions, making that sulfur available. And that might be a tool for you to use to decide whether you're going to put it on or not. A lot of information here, I think, for you guys to consider. We don't have all the answers yet. It's um, kind of exciting to have something new, but it can also be frustrating again. Like we still haven't nailed down nitrogen management after how many years. So looks like we might be heading that direction with sulfur also. If you have any questions, reach out to us, extension educators or some of our state um, specialists on this issue, and we'll help you however we can to make the right decisions uh, to improve your yields. And best of luck as hopefully we dry out here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I sure hope so. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.